Fellas, what's good? Brother, 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 man. I uh, just landed back uh, from another work trip, but I'm pretty fucking pumped up, man. Uh, the Bears won, obviously. We'll get into that. And we got some excited news on the Justin Fields front. So, man, I'm really fired up over here, and I'm enjoying the glass of wine. Hey, Dub, what's the good word over there? Hey, man, everything is good over here, Prez. Just getting off work, man. Ready to chill with you guys, brother. Man, let, don't let them folks make you work our hardest, Shay Dub. You be going, A Dub be going ghost, ladies and gentlemen. I'm like, man, boy. I was like, what happened to A Dub? I ain't heard from him all week. <laughs> man, brother's been working hard these days, man. I can't even lie. It's all good, man. Thank you. you know, I'm in these streets like uh, like traffic lights, so. <laughs> you know. I hear you, DC. I hear you. Any any funny stories from the road before we get into it? Oh man, <laughs> dude! I got about five thousand. I hit my uh, I hit my five thousand mark doing ride share. Then about you know five and a five five uh, five six years something like that. So uh, damn, that's it, a lot of rides, dude. It's a lot of rides, a lot of people, a lot of COVID. I've been dodging, man. You know how I do. So <laughs> man, what you you what you doubling up with the mask? What you do you or did you put up one of those dividers in your in your whip? Oh no, I've got the divider. I got that in the back seat. But you know, when I see that, I, I just think it's a little weird. That's just my personal opinion. I'm like, okay. this, this ain't a taxi. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like that, it, it gives me real taxi vibes, you know, like because that glass be up in taxis too sometimes. But that's true. But I'm like not like a germaphobe like that. It also gives me germaphobe vibes. So no, no, no shade on germaphobes. I get it. I, <laughs> <laughs> You know, if I could be in an aisle at, at Walmart or Target or wherever, grocery shopping next to somebody, I could be in my car with somebody. Ooh, speaking of Walmart, I bet that place swim with COVID. Oof, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> what'd, you, what'd you say, uh, DC? So you don't want to mess up our Walmart sponsorships, bro. I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, hey, they can still come for us, but I'm just telling you, I need to clean up every once in a while. I see some things in them bathrooms, man. They make me pray to the Lord every time I go in there. I'm like in there playing hopscotch trying to get to the washroom. But, you know, whatever. Minor details there. I feel you. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to give props to some of the Walmarts because they are renovating those bathrooms. I did notice that. That is, that is good. That's universal knowledge, too. Like, everybody knows Walmart's bathrooms are trash. Oh, my God. And I'm sorry, listeners, y'all can call me bougie all you want to, but get me into a Target any day of the week. I will be in Target all day long. But Walmart? Eh, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I got nothing against Walmart or any of those other places. I'm good. That's what he's, that's what he's saying now until you slip and fall in that damn bathroom, and I ain't going to say nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> then we got a different story then. Different story then, friends. Hey, hey, RIP to AJ Johnson real quick too. One of the one of the greats of comedy. He passed away this past week. So RIP to him. Yes, sir, man. Mr. What he's what what he say? Smokey back here taking a shit. <laughs> Ain't gonna tell nobody else. Yeah. <laughs> For sure though, DCA. Rest in peace, man. Hey, congratulations to you on those 5,000 rides. Appreciate it. All right, man. Well, congratulations are in order for our Chicago Bears. So last week on the show. We briefly touched on some concerns that we have for the team, but most of us, at least the three of us, we felt pretty confident that the Bears will win on Sunday. So, fellas, what were your thoughts about this uh, Week 2 victory against the Bengals? Yeah, my thoughts, Perez, about the Week 2 victory, man, is that, hey, our defense came to play, man. And I think I talked about this before um, with you, Perez, that, hey, when those guys show up, man, 
they bring a different identity to this game and they make a big impact. So salute to our defense and those turnovers, man. That was huge. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, the defense was like night and day. And I didn't get a chance to watch the game live. You know, again, I was out in the streets like traffic lights. So I'm listening to it on 105.9 and I'm listening to the call. And man, you just you just felt that excitement being back at home, being back at Soldier Field. You know, defense makes a big play. You hear the roar of the crowd. It makes a big difference. But I do want to say as good as it was to see Justin Fields out there, the man is still a rookie. So we got to be patient. And that's a fair point, DC. And that was what I was been. That's what I've been preaching to this fan base. But guess what? The Justin Fields era, whether we want it to happen or not, which most of us want it to happen, it's underway. And audience, we're gonna get into that further in our Bears segment. But as you guys all know, Justin Fields has been named the Week Three starter. My quick thoughts about the game, though. A Dub and I, we were there. That crowd at Soldier Field. That shit was nice. I mean, you could tell that the players were feeding off of that. Last season during the pandemic, when there were no crowds at these games, sports just wasn't the same to me. And I don't mean to sound like a, um, a homer or anything like that when I when I say that comment, but it's tough to watch sports, at least during, for me during the pandemic, when you had no crowd, when they were piping in that fake crowd noise, and then they had the car book cutouts or whatever the fuck that shit was on my TV. I was like, get that shit off my TV. I was so pumped not only to be out there in that game, but for the other games that we're able to watch, seeing those fans out there cheering on their team. So that was the first thing that I wanted to touch on. That was a great crowd out there. But Andy Dalton, we talked about this on the Bears Central's A-Dub. I thought Andy Dalton was solid in that game. It sucked that he got hurt. And it also stinks that Justin Fields is getting put in there just because Andy Dalton got hurt. Because Matt Nagy has also gone on record by saying that when Dalton is healthy, he's the starter. Yeah. Chris, here's my issue with the whole thing. You said a lot of good stuff there. But the whole thing with Nagy, keep doing, saying, making these comments, Chris, like Dalton is our guy when he's healthy. You don't help the situation. Because what if, you know, Fields go out there and have a great game, right? You got to be careful with that kind of a thing. And then you think about what you said about the, the fans out there, Chris. The fans were awesome. Matter of fact, you lost your voice out there, my brother. <laughs> so um, you were part of that big crowd out there, man, cheering on that team. So we love That's that, brother. I lost my goddamn mind when Roquan Smith ran that pick six back. I mean, my voice is still a little bit out. It's coming back, though, slowly. But, man, <laughs> as I joked with you on, on Sunday, brother, I left it all out there. So did you feel, baby? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did, man. I wish, I wish the listeners would have seen you, friends, at that game, man, because then it's all a sign like, wow, friends is just like all of us when it comes down to that, cheering this team on, especially on third down when the defense is out there uh, doing their thing. A lot of people don't realize this, but that's a tradition at Soldier Field on third down, getting up there and getting that defense riled up and getting them pumped up. That right there to me, that's that's one of my favorite parts of being at Soldier Field, brother, my favorite part. You remember how it was at that Bulls game six, Boston and uh, – Oh, in yeah. So you I lost your damn, yeah, you lost your damn voice too that night. Yes, sir. I think you let out a primal roar, bro. <laughs> like that is, I, I can imagine, man. <laughs> hey, we all diehard fans over here. And like, like we tell you guys, we got a Chicago bias. And so when we on this show and we're telling you guys our different takes on these teams, this ain't fake. You, If you guys ever see us at these games, which you probably will and you probably have, we're probably some of the loudest, rowdiest people at these ball games. So we're not just podcasters. We're true fans of these teams. Well, nobody's in there. 
no golf claps. When we there, we there. Yeah, we there, P there, me there, all that shit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, man. No limit. Yes, sir. Speaking of no limit, it looks like the Chicago Park District is putting limits on the Chicago Bears. Fellas, what do you guys think about that? Because now we're hearing some rumblings here that the Bears and that executive and ownership team is really starting to get pissed off with the Park District. The Bears wanted to add a betting lounge at Soldier Field. The Park District kind of poo-pooed it. Fellas, talk to them. Friends, this has been a seems to be an ongoing thing that's going on with them and in the district. It looks like before there was like a conversation they had together, a meeting with those guys to talk about the infrastructure, Perez. And they had issues with that, you know. Um, Ted Phillips saying, I didn't receive the information about the infrastructure. They saying they sent it. It's been a back and forth thing going on with that. And now we here at this point to where now there's some more issues going on. This explains why they want to move, what Ted Phillips and these guys want to move the team out of here, man, out of Chicago, because of the ongoing rift behind the scenes that all of us don't always see or hear about. Allegedly, A-Dub, allegedly, right? We don't know if they want to move. Right, and until all of the facts are straightened out, you know, we won't know. I mean, unless, you know, the next couple years we start to see the Bears break ground somewhere else. And then at that point, we'll know. We'll know for sure that something fishy was going on. But, you know, I've mentioned it on this show in the past, you know, don't want to throw any shade at, at the mayor of this great city, but you know, in some cases, Lori Lightfoot needs to become Lori Heavy Toes and and put that foot <laughs> down on some of this nonsense that's going on in the city and just put politics aside. You know, the Chicago Bears organization is a staple of this city. I would hate to see it go to a different uh, town, municipality, village, whatever suburb. But you know, sometimes that's what it takes. You know, it, it just takes to do things that make sense for the organization. Chicago Park District want to stop sports betting. Okay, why don't you stop? That's that's as silly as, like, stopping people from drinking at games. Hmm. Would you ever see a stadium with no bars in it? No. Sports betting is taking over. Come on now. Let's, let's, let's be real. So, And it's legal. And it's legal here. I mean, what are we talking about? And, D.C., I'm going to piggyback off what you said there, brother, because that's, that's a very strong point because – at the time, the Chicago Park District told the Bears they wanted to sit back and kind of see how everything played out with the sports betting. The Bears are looking at this like, okay, first of all, to A-Dub's point, the infrastructure here needs to be evaluated. You guys let anybody and everybody come to Soldier Field to do whatever they want. You guys heard me on this podcast talk about how Kanye reconstructed his childhood home at Soldier Field. This is the same damn stadium and field that our Bears have to play on. And, and, and no disrespect to you, Kanye, but I'm just saying that's the stadium that these players are playing on, and they just allow anybody to come here on this field and do whatever they want to it. I'm sure the Bears have a problem with that. Do you think if the Bears had control over their field that they would allow that to happen? That's a good point right there, Perez. The Bears have a control, right? They, I mean, when you're going through issues with you would call it your landlord, and you don't have that kind of control, Perez, now you get into these battles where you feel like, you know what, I want to have full control over our own destiny or what we want to do with our own stadium kind of thing, right? So that creates that mindset. But to your point, man, all these other things happening and we're not taking over or having any kind of say-so, it, it brings a problem. Yeah, and you have to look at the amount of revenue that the Chicago Bears are bringing to Soldier Field and the city of Chicago. Mm-hmm. So from a dollars and cents stands, standpoint, it, it makes no sense to have a petty little rift over sports betting. I mean, it has to be something deeper than that because it doesn't seem like that big enough of an issue for the Bears to be considering leaving town. 
and I will tell you one thing, and you know, both of you guys know this, egos have gotten involved here. And, yes. to, and to your point, um, DC, Mayor Lightfoot needs to be the mediator between these two sides. And in fact, I feel like at times she's kind of poured fucking uh, damn oil on the fire herself at times. So I just hope that they sit down and figure this out because to the point that DC made, I'm with you on that, man. The Bears belong in Chicago. Now, when we looked at that Rams game and everybody was showing us those videos of that SoFi Stadium, I'm not going to lie to y'all. I kind of wondered what an Arlington Heights Stadium would look like for the Bears. But when we was at that game on Sunday, A-Dub, I fell in love with Soldier Field again. I know it's not SoFi, but it's our <laughs> stadium. It's in the city, baby. Keep the Bears in Chicago, please. Yeah, man. I would love to see the Bears stay in Chicago. Bryce, I'm with you there, man. But like you said, these rips have to end. When you have Ted Phillips coming out making comments like accusing the Park District of refusing to engage in good faith discussions, that ain't good, man. It's not a good sign for us at all, you know. I would love to see this team stay for sure, you know. But like you said, they got to figure it out. Lori got to play a big part of that. But you don't know what she's going to stand on things, right? Because Lori sometimes play the field, right? And then sometimes <laughs> she can emotional too. So mm-hmm. that plays a big factor. And on top of that, the Bears offered the Park District 20% of the revenue that they were going to get from the sports betting. And I don't know how many of our listeners have been watching how much money and revenue that the state of Illinois has gained from sports betting being legal here, but it's up there. Some of Prez's money have been out there too. But <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. <laughs> they go up. <laughs> got to take that bet sometimes. I get it. Yeah, you got to. You got to. But – but my point about that is it seems like the Bears are looking at this like, hey, we're trying to engage with you to the point you're making a dub. And those like the park district's like, no, we're not really trying to feel that right now. And when you look at it, I did a little additional research and I saw that the Arizona Cardinals, they have a betting facility there at their at their stadium. So to your point, DC, more and more people are starting to open up and understand that this sports betting is happening. We can't sit up here and be like, oh, I don't want to be involved in that. Listen, it's going down. Get on board. Yeah, and, innovation. Yeah, innovation. And to that point, get on board. It's just like when you're at the Metro. If you see that thing rolling and you standing there in the doorway, you either on or you off, man. You on. <laughs> so the city of Chicago got to figure out, are we on with the Chicago Bears? Are we off? I mean, are we going to let them go elsewhere and leave Soldier Field? Uh, historical. Come on now, Soldier Field. Wrigley Field, like Chicago's known for its history. You know, you can't let this this go to waste. Absolutely. Well, speaking of uh, not letting something go to waste, when I think about the Chicago Bulls and what they've done in this offseason, which we're going to get into in the next segment, but I think about the player that they built everything around, Zach Levine. This is somebody that I think that we, we need to do everything in our power to make sure that we retain him, especially since now they're putting these pieces in place to build around him. However, I'm starting to hear little rumors, guys, that the Boston Celtics are saying that they're going to make Zach Levine their top priority if, and this is a big if, Bradley Beal, if he actually uh, decides to remain in Washington, then Zach Levine is going to be their number one target. Fellas, talk to him. I do not see Boston as a serious threat to acquire Zach Levine in free agency next year. For a couple of reasons. First, Arturis Karnishevis and Mark Eversley will not 
let it get to that point. They understand, like you said, Prince, they've built this team around Zach Levine. He's getting an extension. But secondly, a lot of people don't know this, but Boston had a front office shake up this past offseason as well, you know, just like the Bulls did in recent memory. And it saw Danny Ainge leave the organization and saw Brad, Brad Stevens take over in that role. I don't see a day in which Zach Levine goes to sit down with Brad Stevens one-on-one and seriously consider Boston. I know his buddy Jason Tatum's over there, but look at what Arturis did. And I dropped the mic. Mm. Hey, DC, those are all great points. But if you are Zach Levine, you are loving this. The most important thing for you, Zach Levine, I know you want to be in Chicago, is also securing the bag. So the security bag is you got to play ball, right? It's still a business. Not saying you're going to leave anywhere, but you can use it as bait, right? To say, hey, I got these other interests out here who are also looking at me. So if you don't want to pay me what I think I'm worth or what I deserve, good good tactic, right? A good way, to good tool. But I think for Zach Levine, that votes well for him. So fair points that both of you guys brought up. One thing I wanted to touch on real quick to counter what you said, DC. When you look at that Boston Celtics team, right? They got Jason Tatum, who I think is one of the big-time emerging players in this league, and Jalen Brown, who seems to be very underrated. You don't think at all Zach would be slightly intrigued maybe to join that? Because Zach Levine has gone on record as saying that in his next deal, he's looking for respect, which points back to what you were saying, A-Dub, because we know that Zach Levine, when he signed his extension with the Bulls this last time around, he's being paid under what his market value is. I agree with Zach Levine in the sense that he deserves respect. He's played himself into uh, that respect in terms of uh, financial compensation, in terms of league notoriety, in terms of recognition, trophies, all of the above, right? The thing that Zach Levine needs to understand is that the previous front office gave him no option because they let him go out and get an offer from Sacramento. We just happened to match it. Right. Arturis would never, and I repeat, Arturis would never let a talent like Zach, if they really knew what they had in him, even have to play the game. So Arturis and Mark saw what they had in Zach when they showed up, because last year was strictly an evaluation year. They saw what they had in Zach, and they said, all right, we're going to mold this around him. And said, we're not waiting. They went out, did it at All-Star break. They said, who else Who else do we know is going to be a fit for his game? I don't know if Zach incorporating himself into what Boston currently has is going to solve any issues because then he might be still looking at the same problems. It's like, I need players around me that, 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 that fit me. Well, this is what I will say to that, DC. And you're right about AK. AK may not want to let this guy get away. And that's good for our Chicago Bulls team. But if you look over there at Boston, right? and see what they have with Brown and Tatum, like Perez was talking about. Those guys, hey, a trio, you, ever, you add Zach to that team, that's a trio, man. They can make it work. These are guys that now turn into vets in the league now. Tatum has gone through some wars now. He wants to win. Brown wants to win. So you know what? This is going to help change everyone's game a little bit to say, hey, we're going to make this work. I think that Zach could be a guy who can, run to, can, can be a playmaker, play part of the point guard as well for that team. So he does, in my opinion, looks good over there with Boston if he was to go to that team. And the point that I'm thinking about is they're a serious threat because you know how Danny Age gets down, right? Right. Uh, Brad Stevens, 
he's like, because to your point, DC, they shook up that whole situation over there. So Brad Stevens is in the mix, right? I guarantee you that when I look at this, if Bradley Beal decides to remain in DC, Boston does worry me. Now, I do think that Zach's loyalty does probably lie here in Chicago. Yep. He'll probably stay here. But I'm still looking at this Celtics team like it would at least be intriguing to Zach. And it just worries me a little bit, just being honest. And he could stay here, you know what I'm saying? Perez, he, he, he could possibly be here long term. But you're right. That does, it, 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 like you said, it is, it is intriguing, right? Uh, the fact of what they have, their culture, what they have done over the years. They've been in playoffs for quite a while now to Boston. So Boston's trying to find a way to, to move up. And if we lose Zach Levine, right, that pushes us down. I get all the things that D.C. shared with us about, hey, what he brings to the team. But, hey, when you're trying to win, man, sometimes that changes circumstances. So we'll see how this season turn out for Zach Levine. And I think AK is going to do a good job of trying to keep him here. But, man, you just never know. Absolutely. And I, I do only look at Boston as a legit threat. I don't see any other team in the league having a serious shot at Zach Levine because I think he's, he's that much of a sure shot and loyal, like you said, Prez, to, to return to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing AK and Mark Eversley, I don't think they would allow their superstar to walk and be a part of a trio. I think they would get savvy and try to, you know, get uh, get something back in return. And something. Like, I, don't, I just don't see them letting Zach walk clean. You know, you see recently... Right superstars want to leave, but at least you get back some type of draft capital, some type of something. I think Garpax would have got back cash considerations or nothing. So I think... (laughs) (laughs) That's a really good point. It's a really good point, but I just want to get you guys' thoughts on it because it it was intriguing when I saw it, but I think we're all kind of on the same page here. We we pretty much expect that Zach is going to return, but I just wouldn't look at it as a 100% thing, but I would just say as, as you said, D.C., A.K. would never. And I think that he didn't make all these moves, didn't give up this draft capital to then turn around and let our best player walk, right? So right. let's think about it, right? They went out and acquired Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, and we got your boy Caruso. So, fellas, I wanted to get you guys' thoughts on how you see each of these players fitting into the mix. Let's start with DeMar DeRozan. Talk to him. DeMar DeRozan is like country crap. Smooth. Smooth. His game is just, it's smooth, right? It's smooth jazz. WNUA 95.5 throwback back in the day. I'm telling you, when you look at Zach, Zach is up and coming. Zach wants to be that guy. DeMar DeRozan is like a phase of the moon that Zach has not yet got to. DeMar has been that guy on the team to try to get a team over the mountaintop. Then the man for the Toronto Raptors. You probably look at him and Kyle Lowry as guaranteed locks on Mount Rushmore when it comes to Toronto Raptors. So at this phase of his career, you've seen him become more unselfish. You've seen him have career highs in assists. He's been able to play the power forward position. He's expanding his game. He's finding out who is DeMar DeRozan when he doesn't have to be the superstar. And I feel like that's only going to complement the rest of this roster like poetry. Shit, well said. I like that. <laughs> Which that DC. And and what he also does, Perez, is that um he brings the element to the game to where, like DC was saying, he doesn't have to be the, the, the main option. He can play off the ball, Perez. Matter of fact, he can set other guys up. 
he can actually give, you know, guys like Zach Levine a relief. Like, hey, don't worry about it. You spot up. I can take control this year. Matter of fact, we can alternate, you know. You want to try to score all your points right now. We can work together on this, man, a balanced attack. So that's what he can do. He can take a step back and let Zach do his thing and still feel comfortable with doing with, with less shots for us. And I think he's been efficient that way the last couple of years. Fair points for both of you guys. Also, the one thing that I wanted to add, think about where he came from. He just came from the San Antonio Spurs. You think about Pop and what he does with his players. And one of the things that I really liked about DeMar coming here was not only the fact that he came from the San Antonio system, but the way that Popovich used him. He opened up DeMar DeRozan's game in ways that we never even saw when he was in Toronto. Right. And what I'm excited about is how he's going to come in here and to the point that you guys made, how he's going to make those players around him better. So a guy like you're talking about with Zach Levine, what he's going to be able to do for Vooch. Hell, what he's going to be able to do for a guy like Pat Williams. That's the thing that I'm most excited about because everybody talks about his scoring. Yeah, we get it. The guy can score. But I'm looking at some of the other things he's going to be able to allow people to do. He's going to allow Zach to be able to play off the ball more because you guys know Zach Levine not only had to be the playmaker, but Zach Levine had to be the guy that had to take the tough shots down the stretch. Now DeMar can come in here and take some of that pressure off to the point that you made earlier, Adol. Absolutely. And one other thing Prez he can do as well is he can provide leadership. He can bring that element. You can say he never won, won a championship, but one thing does this guy has is experience, Prez. He's been in the league a while, been in the playoffs, you know, uh, been through some tough challenges. He got that leadership experience the way he can share that with these young guys. All I'm going to say is the last time we saw a Spurs player and listeners correct me if I'm wrong, but the last time we saw a Spurs player come over to the Bulls wearing number 10, we won three championships in a row. And that man's name was Dennis Rodman. And Rodman mm. already been successful elsewhere, but he went through that San Antonio system and he got himself, he, he had to find himself again. And I feel like that's what ended up happening with DeMar because you saw he got traded for Kawhi Leonard and he was not happy about that. He, was he not. wasn't happy about it at all, but Pop got in his ear got him to be a better player, got him to do other things, got him to commit to winning. And he's going to bring that intangible to the Chicago Bulls team. Hey, DC, that was a hell of a point right there, too. And I also just to kind of finish this off. I think there's a reason that both L.A. teams, the Clippers and the Lakers, were trying to go after him and the Dallas Mavericks. They all wanted this guy. And I think it's because of the, all of the things that we talked about. To your point, A-Dub, the leadership. DC to the points that you brought up, they're tangibles. These things all matter. And if you have these contending teams that were looking at this guy, I'm very fortunate that he landed here in Chicago. Well, to me, he has that same impact that Andre Iguodala brought to the Warriors when he came over from Denver. You know, again, Iguodala led the Philadelphia 76ers, especially after AI left. So he knew what it was like. And their and their games. Are, are sort of similar. I would say DeMar and Iggy are in that, that same category of just being uh, Swiss Army Knife type players, you know, always known for one particular thing, but then expanded their game to do other things. And Iguodala is a finals MVP. So I'm just saying he's going to bring a similar impact because he could do multiple things on the basketball court. And we don't need him for his three-point shooting. And I'll tell you right now, man, him along with uh, Zach Levine together, in that backcourt, man, 
they they're gonna do well together. They really are, man. And they I think they will balance each other out. That's what I believe. And we'll see, man. I'm, I'm fired up with it, just like how I'm sure you guys are. And I can't wait to that home opener. We're gonna be there. I can't wait. Fellas, Lonzo Ball. What y'all feeling about his fit here with Chicago? I think Lonzo is he's forgotten about when you look at this Bulls core only because of his youth. And people forget that he's only 23 years old. Mm. He was drafted into big city bright lights. We got a taste of it. He got a taste to be around success and be around banners every day. You walk in that Staples Center, you see nothing but banners. You know, we know the type of legacy that Lakers organization has in this league, you know. So when he gets traded for a superstar, I'm sure he had to feel some type of way. So he has an opportunity to, to like, like DeMar, go in the dark, go in the back cave, do whatever you got to do to expand your game, work on yourself. And you see he came out with a three, and that thing is wet. So what, <laughs> I, what I'm saying is now that he's got that big city bright lights and banners back, he's going to really allow the world to see who Lonzo Ball is and ascend his game to that next level. I think Lonzo Ball is still getting better, Press. Mm-hmm. And with this Bulls team, this gives him a chance to really thrive, you ask me, because now his role is being more clear to him than, ever, than it's ever been. His jump shot is getting better. We've seen him learn to change his game up a little bit as far as the shot goes, and he's getting better with that part of it. So now he gets to get a chance to get easier shots well, based on how our two guards want to play, or a small forward for that matter, you know, with um, DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine. He'll get, his, he'll get his shot to take easier shots, and I'm quite sure he'll catch those things in. And then also, he's a guy that really moves the ball very well, Press. He will get these guys easy shots. Facilitation is off the charts, and it's very underrated. A lot of cats don't give him their props for that, but, man, the guy can really, really pass. Fair points both of you guys made. One thing I wanted to touch on, you said, D.C., Lonzo, being in L.A., looking at all those banners, playing with LeBron James. I never thought that Lonzo had a chance there in L.A. Because LeBron's been chasing rings, right? Right. He looked at Lonzo as like, hey, you're just getting in my way, right? (laughs) When he got shipped out of town and went to New Orleans, we started to see just Lonzo scratching the surface of what he could be as a ball player. I think under Billy Donovan, we are going to see what Lonzo Ball is going to be able to do. And I'm fucking excited about that because we're going to see what this guy's going to be able to do here in Chicago. And to the point that you made, A-Dub, can you imagine what he's going to be able to do with Vooch in that pick and roll and those alley-oops that he's going to be able to throw to Zach Levine? This shit's about to be fucking exciting, bro. Prez, I want to piggyback on one thing you said about him being in L.A., LeBron pretty much took his job, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? LeBron is a facilitator. LeBron's a point guard, point forward, whatever you want to call him, right? That's what he does. So Lonzo Ball really can't be himself playing along with LeBron. So I thought with him even getting traded from L.A. was the right thing to do because he wasn't going to shine in L.A. like you said, friends. Yeah, and he was the he was a hometown kid out there. So LeBron definitely did cast a humongous shadow over mm-hmm. and the ability for it to flourish. So how can how can a flower bloom if it ain't nothing to shine on it? You know mm-hmm. what I mean? He needed his own shine. And coming into the league, again, at his age, young, in that organization, you know, I don't think L.A.'s fan base is patient enough to see Alonzo Ball, his game fully flourish and bloom. And I feel like we are just the beneficiaries of that time where his, his, his game is ripe. 
and we 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 got him right now where it's it's it's, it's about to be his best stretch of his career. He's going into it now. Can you imagine right. the ball at 29, 30, like when, when he's where Steph is, you know, Steph is a household name. The man's only 23. We could have this man as the greatest point guard. And, and I know this is about to be controversial because I feel it on my lips. I feel it about to come on my <laughs> Very controversial, but I'm going to get on my soapbox and say it. When it's all said and done, if he brings championships to this city, he could go down as the best point guard in Bulls history. And I love Derrick Rose, but we know his injury history and we know we only got a glimpse of what that man could have been. Damn, DC. I know I'm over here sipping on some of this uh, Pinot Grigio right now. The last sip I just took, it felt a little bitter. I don't know if it was the wine or the comments you made about Lonzo being the best point guard in, in Bulls history when it all goes down. I don't know how I feel about that, bro, but I guess what? <laughs> but guess what? I hope you're right. I hope you're right, baby. Hey, man, that's deep right there, DC. I'm not going to go that far, though. If you achieve that, that, good for him, man. Good for the city of Chicago. For the first I would give him, though, man, as far as the point guard go, man, he could be one of those guys who have a double-digit assist for us on on, on an ongoing basis. I mean, consistently, you know. So he has that kind of ability, in in my opinion. And let's not forget what he's going to bring to defense. I've stressed that on this podcast right. about how defensively I, I have concerns about this team. Lonzo Ball is going to be able to come in here. Not only is he going to be able to do things to push the ball, he's a great transition player on offense. But I think defensively, he's going to be able to help lock down some of the opponent's top players on offense. That's a part of his game that no one talks about. Think about his pressure defense. That's something that's going to be a really big commodity for us in this 2021 season. Oh, that is huge, Prez. The defensive side of the table, you're right. He's going to play a big part in that element of the game, man. And when you have a guy that can guard any any of the guards in the league, point guards, that helps. That takes a lot of pressure off guys like Zach Levine, right, who hasn't had a, a great career of defending very well. It takes pressure off other guys on this team. So I think that's kudos to him of having that element of taking those tough assignments like that. I'm still trying to process what I said out of my mouth, but you are, you are absolute spot on, Prez, about – the defensive side of the ball. Lonzo Ball takes that on as a challenge. Mm-hmm. And just to provide a little bit more clarity to that claim, we only got Derrick Rose for what, six, seven years, and maybe not even a full six, seven seasons. Lonzo, again, I'm going to say he's 23. So if we look six, seven years down the line and the Bulls have a championship ring, a champ, a point guard that led a team to a championship. On top of that, he plays defense. And on top of that, he learned from LeBron. Now that's, if you just take those three things into account, Derrick Rose only has one of those things. And he didn't do that one thing until he left Chicago, which was played with LeBron. Hmm. So I'm just saying it's a possibility because I don't think any other point guard has averaged double-digit assists in Bulls history. Correct right. me if I'm wrong. I, I don't think that they have either. Um, the last thing that I want to say on this on this Derrick Rose take that you just made, because that shit's spicy, and I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm looking forward to just seeing how this plays out over the next couple of years, because I guarantee you listeners are going to be like, they're going to be rewinding. They're going to be like, hey, remember when DC said such and such? He was wrong. Or they may be saying, hey, tell DC to give me six lottery numbers, because that motherfucker was on point. 
Like I say, either one of those things. So we shall definitely see. What you guys feeling about Caruso coming in here? Because I will say this. This is a move that I thought was a slight overpay. However, I thought it was a pretty smart move by AK to be able to drag him away from L.A. Because you know the Lakers did not want to lose him. LeBron loves Caruso. So how do you guys feel about his fit coming here to Chicago? When I think of Caruso, man, I think about Prez, his energy level. That guy plays with a lot of energy. You need that energy off the bench, Prez. You really do. You really do. And it's not a lot of guys that really play that style of play that brings it that way, but he brings on offense and defense. He really does. And I think that's going to be critical coming off the bench, that somebody can sustain the attack, right, um, when people are starting to slow down, right, and bring that extra energy. Energy is a big part of the game. That's how you extend runs. That's how you keep them going. So I like Caruso coming in with that second unit. To me, Alex Caruso is a glue guy. He's that guy on the team that when you're winning, you're winning because of him. But if he's out, if he's not on that floor, you feel his presence missed. So look at where he's coming into the game at, you know, with guys like Kobe White, you know, with guys potentially uh, Troy Brown, Derek Jones Jr. You know, we're going to look to him to lead that second unit because he's played with one of the greatest of the game of basketball, LeBron James. Not the greatest because we all know who the GOAT is. That's right. So – when he brings that to the table, along with that intensity, along with that the intensity, as Norm Van Leer would put it, <laughs> that defense and, and his playmaking ability, he's sneaky. This guy is like the Hamburglar. You know what I'm saying? Like he has sneaky hops, but he's always got a bag with him, and he got a bag from the Bulls. You know what I'm saying? So you 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 always got to keep your eye on Caruso. Fair point too. And let's just think about it. We lacked. In a couple areas last season, defensively, three-point shooting. He brings both of those things to the table. And let's not forget in that bubble finals, which I put air quotes around that because to me that was not a real <laughs> NBA finals. But, however, <laughs> Caruso did his thing on Jimmy Butler and Duncan Robinson. Did he Did he or did he not? That he, he did. did. And that's what he's going to bring to the table here. So, to your point, D.C., that's somebody that's going to be great coming off the bench on that second unit and shit. They may even in the, decide to stagger his unit, his minutes and play him more in the fourth quarter to close games out. Yeah, he's one of those hustle players, Perez. I like hustle players. I really do. A guy's willing to spend a lot of energy chasing people, spend a lot of energy running around on offense as well. He doesn't stop, man. He keep it going. So I'm a big I'm a fan of him now, man. I've been watching a lot of his tape, you know, really looking at him and seeing what he brings to the table. And I think he's going to do well with that unit. So salute to Caruso. He, he got the bag but the guy does have some talent too, a little bit what he can do. Yeah, and I just think overall, chemistry-wise, he just, he, he seemed like a likable guy, like a guy that you want to, you know, run a pickup game with, you know, just like a dependable dude. Like, if I kick it out to you, you're going to be open for a three, cool. But on the opposite end, I know you're going to take on that challenge of guarding the best player if need be and not back down from a challenge. Right. Fair, fair point. And he got hops. That boy can jump right. out the gym. <laughs> yeah, he can. The other thing, Perez, with that, he knows his role. The guy's played on the championship caliber team already, so we should have no issues with him understanding his role on the on the Bulls. Well, listen, speaking of someone knowing their role and actually finding out what their role is going to be, we talked about this earlier, audience. Justin Fields will start at quarterback in week three. Fellas, can y'all talk to him? Because I'm about to pour up another glass of wine on this one. 
Prez. This guy, Justin Fields, get a chance to practice with the ones, Prez, to get better chemistry with these guys. He really getting the opportunity to do that, which we thought he should have got it earlier, though. But again, he's getting the opportunity now, and they're going to grow together. This helps Justin Fields out a lot because now we can start to see how he's going to get better, how he's going to make progression um, in his next game here. So I'm looking forward to seeing him. It's going to be a whole lot. He's going to play a lot better than he played in the first game. Absolutely. A-Dub, I think it's time we just crown it. This is the Justin Fields era. Apologies to Andy Dalton for getting injured. I'm sure you uh, didn't expect it to go down this way. Matter of fact, I've seen fans put together a little charity uh, donation fundraiser for uh, Andy Dalton of 14. Saw that too. (laughs) (laughs) However, it's, 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 it's just a matter of, it was just a matter of time and now the time is now. Uh, Justin feels the excitement in the locker room. Like you said, he's QB one. He's getting a chance to run with, run with the guys that want him on the field to begin with. And it feels like the only opposition slightly is Matt Nagy because I don't feel like he's ready to fully unleash what he has in Justin Fields. Well, we all know that everybody got haters. And if you don't have a hater, you're not doing something right. So Matt Nagy's Justin Fields hater because Matt Nagy, you to, to your point, DC, he is kind of looking at He's like, because the point I made earlier, Nagy said, if Dalton is healthy, that's his starting guy. So he still doesn't really want to fully commit to Justin Fields yet for whatever reason. He don't have no choice because Dalton is not healthy. They said that Dalton's injury is week to week with that bone bruise. And so Justin Fields has not only the opportunity to get out there week three to do what he needs to do, but there may be a chance he starts week four as well, right? So now he's got games that he can build, put that experience under his belt. And what if he just starts to put up some plays and starts to put up points in that offense? There's no way you can go back to Andy Dalton after you put Justin Fields out there because with the way this fan base has wanted to see Justin Fields, and if he starts to compete and make plays out there, there's no way you can go back. Matt Nagy, they will egg and toilet paper your home. So just know at this point, there's no turning back. And Perez, this is why I get on Nagy's case when you make these certain comments, right? <laughs> like, you know, like you just said right there about – Andy Dalton being the guy, right, when healthy. Look, you can't make that kind of commitment, right? Because now you're making these promises again, right, that you already made before. And you can't do that in a business like this here when you got a guy that's really been working hard that you and I talked about, Perez, been putting the time in, who's been putting a lot of work in to, to, to being a great quarterback and now all of a sudden thrive, right, as a quarterback. How could you say no to Justin Fields? If you say Justin Fields isn't ready, then, hey, why is Justin Fields even starting to begin with if he's not ready? He got on the bench right now. So for me, it's like, hey, if he's not ready, why is he number two right now? Why is he out there starting this game if you feel that he's really not ready? It's BS. We all know it. Right, exactly. And then if you look at this upcoming weekend's matchup, you know, we got the Browns. And the guy right now in Cleveland is Baker Mayfield. But as it stands in the record books, both squads are one and one. I think Justin Fields with a full week to prepare as, you know, as the start. I mean, because, I mean, it was pretty much expected. I didn't I didn't see a miraculous uh, Andy Dalton return getting ready for, for Sunday. I didn't see that coming down. I, I felt like mentally Justin Fields was accepting the role to start this coming weekend. Uh, excuse me, this coming Sunday. So I feel like this is going to be his opportunity to shine. Next week we got the Lions. 
the week after that, we got the Raiders. So to your point, Perez, he, he could start these next few weeks and really put his put his foothold or, his, you know, foot on this position and say, Andy, I'm sorry, but this is mine now, sir. That's right. Now, so one thing that I wanted to touch on real quick when it comes to Andy Dalton, and you guys both know how I felt about him when he got signed here. I was not happy with the signing. I thought it was a dumb signing. However, Andy Dalton, the person, I got nothing but respect for him. When we was at Soldier Field, did you guys see that Andy Dalton was the first person that was clapping and cheering for Justin Fields when he got that first down on third and nine to seal the game? It was Andy Dalton. That shows you what kind of guy he is, but what kind of teammate he is. So for me, when I look at this situation, it sucks that he got hurt. But to the point that you just made, DC, this is the situation that we're in now. This is Justin Fields' job to lose. And I'm telling you, playing against Cleveland, Justin Fields gets to go back to Ohio. He was just in Ohio last season, lighting it up for the Buckeyes. He's going to feel right at home. He's going to be playing in front of his, his head coach again. He's probably going to feel really good out there. But then think about it to the point you made. We got the Detroit Lions at home coming up in week four. So if Justin Fields starts in that game, and we all know the Lions fucking suck, Justin Fields <laughs> should light it up. So what's going to happen? I'm telling you, Matt Nagy, I do not want to be him for many reasons. I just don't want to be in your shoes because, brother, 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 you have made a mess out of this quarterback situation. And you know what else, Perez? I don't want to be in Andy Dalton's shoes because I feel bad for Andy Dalton. I mean, you and I talked about him on, on DBE several times about the fact of how he came on board. He was never fully embraced by the fans anyway, really. So it's like, man, to come on board like this and now all of a sudden get hurt and could possibly lose your job, maybe, um, it's tough. And then if the guy that's supposed to replace you do great, it puts even more pressure on you, right, of losing your job. So I just feel bad for a guy like that who thought he had another chance here in Chicago. That I, I hear exactly where you're coming from, A-Dub, and and, and Perez, you know, I'm sure the guy is, is a great person, a great person to have in the locker room, around the team. Um, and I'm sure he loves the game of football and wants to continue his career and have that shot, have that opportunity. But, man, are we in an enviable position to have an Andy Dalton, a Justin Fields, and I will say a Nick Foles. Who's, who's one? But – Man, look at look look at teams like the Texans, man. Their quarterback situation is a mess. They would trade places with us in a heartbeat. And most teams would. <laughs> Don't even get me started on that Texas situation. <laughs> I got a lot of thoughts on that. That's gonna have to be for like a, a fucking Patreon version of this podcast when we start doing that. I got a lot to say about what the Texans are doing. That shit is stupid. But anyway, the point that you made, DC, fair point, right? We are in an enviable situation. We have fields here, we have foals to a lesser degree. You guys know how I feel about him. But when I look at this situation with Justin Fields, the one concern that I have going forward about this, and we're going to talk about this more in DeBear Essentials, I do think that Nagy could come up with a scheme and a game plan this week that I think Justin Fields would be pretty good in running. My problem, though, is, is Matt Nagy going to call plays in a way that Justin Fields will be able to execute and that this offense will evolve? That is what worries me when it comes to Matt Nagy. Or, or is he going to make these plays to where, hey, these guys can't execute those plays? All that definitely does matter, though. But it does falls on Nagy, man. He's the guy calling the plays. He's the guy that got to that gotta get it right. So Nagy got a big test in front of him. We've seen it year after year, season after season. Egos and personal agendas can ruin some of the greatest things we could ever see on any 
football field, basketball court, any diamond, anything, in any arena. And I just hope that Matt Nagy does not have any type of personal issue with Justin Fields getting all this hype, getting all the fan support, and everyone in the city of Chicago looking at him like a fool for wanting to back up his boy, Andy Dalton. <laughs> He's out there on a ledge by himself saying that this is Andy Dalton's job when he gets back healthy. He's on a he's on an island all by himself, and I just hope he's not letting that get to him and, and cloud his judgment. And I well, hope he call the right plays. Yeah, definitely. That's my concern. Call the right plays and and staying out of the way. But then also too, if Justin Fields goes out here and lights it up on Sunday, again, there's no turning back. So we will see what happens there with the quarterback situation here. Justin Fields era is beginning Sunday. Audience. We'll be definitely keeping you guys in tune with that on the Bear Essentials and also here on this podcast as well. But, fellas, let's turn the page real quick. Chicago Sky, they have their single elimination playoff game against the Dallas coming up uh, tomorrow. I believe that's on Thursday here at Wintrust Arena. Fellas, how are you guys feeling about the Chicago Sky? Because when I looked at over the weekend, they had a 33-point loss against the Aces. That shit hurt when I was watching that game. I was like, this is disgusting. Coach Wade looked very frustrated over there. How are you feeling about this team heading into this single elimination game, guys? I still feel good about the team, Perez. I mean, they're more built for the playoffs than it is for the regular season. I mean, they got a couple good girls over there who have who been doing phenomenal with Candace Parker leading the way. I don't think Candace Parker want to make her home coming in this fast, this soon in the playoffs with this one game here. So I'm, I'm really feeling comfortable, comfortable with this team and confident in them as well, Perez. They play defense. Man, the sky's the limit. I like what you said right there. The sky is the limit. We can put that on a T-shirt as well. So what I'm saying here is this. The sky going in the Olympic break, they had one of the top-ranked defenses. And to your point, Prez, they got that ass handed to them on a silver platter with icing and candy. <laughs> said, blow it out. We just did that to you. <laughs> so I feel like in a single elimination game situation, Knowing that this team has seen the best version of themselves on the defensive end, knowing that Candace Parker thrives in these situations, this is what they're built for, to your point, A-Dub. I don't feel like they're going to let the moment get away. I feel like they're going to take care of business. Well, let's just say that these uh, the Wings, which is the Dallas team that's coming in here, I don't know. When you look at the uh, the series that these these two teams played, I think the big emphasis is going to be for the Chicago Sky is to defend that three-point line. That's going to be very important. But with that being in, in mind here, when I think about this matchup, that's going to be very important because they shot the lights out in that matchup. Yeah, they did. And I think right now with this team, how it's built now, Perez, with how uh, Coach Wade has changed that lineup, right? You and I talked about this on this podcast before. That lineup change really give an edge, in my opinion, you know, to the sky because now they're able to focus more on defense from a defense standpoint. They got the girls who can do it with, you know, um, and also play a balanced attack now with also scoring ability. But I think the key factor that you hit up on Perez that really makes a big difference is how they defend a three-point line. They can defend a three-point line and still score with, um, you know, um, with quickly still knocking down jump shots and Candace Parker doing her thing. I think they'll be fine, man. I really do. And um, 
you know, and Khalil Copper really will have to play, have a big game for them to win that game as well. So I think if all of them can put their pieces and put their blueprint on this game, that gives us a fair chance. Because you're right, Dallas not going to give us anything easy. They coming in this mindset thinking they can win, Press, because they've done it before. You're right, they took two out of three from us. They're not going to give us anything easy, but we gave them a lot of open shots on that three-point line that we're going to have to really change up and show up going forward. You know what this reminds me of is that year, I believe it was Derrick Rose's MVP season when we – at our way with Cleveland. We went toe-to-toe with Cleveland in the regular season, and then come Eastern Conference Finals, we was done in five. Mm-hmm. So when you look at Dallas's veteran leadership, Kayla Thornton is only – she's only six years in the league. So she's the most veteran uh, player on their squad. We got players – that are well into their 10th year in the league. So, and Candace Parker being the most important of them. So I feel like those blowout losses to the Aces and even letting Dallas think they they got one on us a couple times, you know, I feel like that that was just pacing because this is a veteran squad in the Chicago sky and they needed to 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 make sure that everybody's ready to go during money time and the playoffs is money time. So I feel like that veteran leadership and that experience is going to come into play. I mean, I agree with you 100% there, DC. I think the only thing that I worry about with the Chicago Sky team is we've seen since they've returned from this Olympic break, they've lacked intensity. And Coach Wade has even called them out and saying that they've lacked energy. If you look at that Aces game, I was thinking, like, what's going on with these? Do they realize that the playoffs are on the horizon? Why are they playing like this? They looked flat. And they're not going to be able to play like that against Dallas. Now, I'll tell you one thing. Dallas has a very explosive backcourt there. I can live with their frontcourt players, you know, letting them beat us. But you cannot let that Dallas backcourt start getting off because if they start hitting them shots, we may be in trouble. Yeah, Perez, I'm with you on that, man. That's what's her name, Enrique Ogumbale. She's pretty good, man. Um, she can really ball. I mean, she can put that ball in the basket. She can shoot threes. She can do whatever, man. Dribble very well. She's a big factor, and she played a part in, in beating us the last um, game. So I think we're really going to have to really uh, play tough, play up really physical. So, Perez, we're going to have to stop turning the ball over. We turn the ball over mm-hmm. a lot. The mm-hmm. sky, and we've seen that, like you said, coming in this season, coming into the second half of the season after the break, man, we were turning that ball over a lot. So we have hurt ourselves. So we're going to have to play more discipline in this game to win. Discipline is, is key, A-Dub. And I didn't – personally, I didn't like them hanging around and just toying with Indiana. Indiana was a team they should have put away. Like, it's a last-place team. Right, right. They should have. 98-87, like, they, they, they let them hang with, with them and give them confidence. You don't want a team like Indiana to come back next year and be like, ha-ha, we got you. We can. You don't ever want to give another team confidence. So that's my one thing that I would disagree with when it comes to resting your vets down the stretch is you don't want to give a team too much confidence. That's the only way that could backfire. But, yeah, I mean, stop turning over, get your head in the game, correct all the little mistakes, make sure you're good on defense guarding the three-point line, and I don't see any reason why the sky don't come out of here tomorrow's game with the dub that's right man we'll definitely see what happens here but i'll be tuning in fellas let's turn the page here as we wind down here on the show to our chicago cubs segment a dub your boy patrick wisdom he broke the record we've talked about him a lot on the show a little bit too much for some of our listeners takes but listeners (laughs) 
<laughs> he broke the record, so we got to talk about it a little bit, right? We, I promise you, next season, I probably won't talk about the guy ever again, but at least for the fact of him breaking his record, we got to speak on it. A-Dub, your boy broke the record. How you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good, Prez. You know, it's good to see something going well for my team after the fact that you all know we're not going to playoffs. So it's good to see some small wins like that. Salute the pact of wisdom by getting an opportunity. And when he got it, Prez, he's done something with it. So breaking the record, Chris Bryant's record, that's huge with the 27 home runs, you know. And matter of fact, he broke it against, you know, the Brewers. So I'm fine with that because I'm not a big Brewers fan. So shout out to Wisdom, man. Happy for that guy. And it was actually kind of cool. I saw a highlight because obviously I don't watch Cubs games as much, but I do check in from time to time. But I saw the post-game interview that they did with him. And as he was getting interviewed, he saw a, a worker from the, uh, the park this guy was on some sort of fucking ladder that was going to retrieve the ball that he hit the home run. And I was like, man, that's kind of cool. But also at the same time, I got a little scared because I'm afraid of heights. I'm like, I hope this guy's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. What was not so cool was Conor McGregor and that first pitch that he threw out yesterday at Wrigley. Conor McGregor just keeps taking L's. Conor McGregor, you need to just sit your ass down somewhere and just drink your proper 12. Man, it looked like that guy never threw a pitch a day in his life, man. He almost hit somebody with that. <laughs> bad throw. Very bad throw. Yeah, maybe his, his stability and his overall balance is not quite there yet from his uh, most recent leg injury. But but what I, but what I will say here is, uh, you know, when it comes to throwing first pitches, not to dip back, but my man Lonzo Ball, Ace his pitch. Conor McGregor, I don't know what the hell you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> hey, DC, I always say this, man. These guys, when they get invited to throw these first pitches, you guys have money. Hit somebody up real quick. Call up a pitching coach and say, hey, can you run me through like a quick 30-minute pitching session? I got to throw this first pitch out. I just don't want to be on TV. I don't want to go viral from throwing the ball the way that Conor McGregor or 50 Cent threw the ball. Like, do it. <laughs> man, Perez, 30-minute practice ain't enough for these guys, man. <laughs> some of these guys, when they throw the ball. But you, I, I hear your point, though, with that, man. Maybe hey, it's, hey I'd rather do 30 minutes than then going out there and doing what they do. 30-minute session with a pitching coach will do your wonders. And any of our baseball players out there, you guys know what I'm talking about. That yeah. shit would have helped. Because that shit that <laughs> Connor did, he looked awful. Like DC was saying – Maybe maybe something going on with that stanky leg because we saw what happened to that leg in that UFC fight. Maybe something happened there with that leg and he couldn't plant the right way. But I'm telling you, bro, Connor, do yourself a favor. Don't teach your son how to throw. Just don't do it. Man, the thing is, friends, yeah, it did look really, really bad. To, to borrow a line from Drake, don't do it. Please don't do it. <laughs> Please don't do it, Connor, man. Like, if anybody else hits you up, for a first pitch invitation, just tell them your schedule is busy, my man. Tell them you got something else. You you know, just or or, yeah. or, or call a pitching coach. Something you got money, Connor. You just shit. Come on, don't go out there like that again. Don't go out there. <laughs> the the last point uh, that we want to discuss here on this Cubs segment is talking through David Ross's job as a manager. Now I will say this: on the outside looking in, as a diehard Sox fan, I have not envied. David Ross's position. You got to think about it. This is two years of him coaching here. 
First year was during a COVID season, which I don't fucking, I don't wish that on anybody. But then the second season where he saw a lot of his top players get shipped out of town. And then they did that fire sale right before the, the, uh, the deadline. So when you look at David Ross's job as manager, how do you guys evaluate how his two years have gone here in Chicago? I think the first thing you look at, Perez, when you think about how much he lost from a talent standpoint, you also look at development. I mean, the first year he got here, he had a decent team. They were okay. They may be making their last little run, maybe it's to the end of that run, right? It was coming, it was on our way down pretty much. So he kind of got the job at a tough time. So you, we look at him now, you got to say, you know what, what are you doing for these young guys, really, how they're developing, how they're growing under your umbrella? And for that standpoint, I can't say he done a bad job. I'm starting to see some good pieces now moving around with these young, with these young guys. And some of them are not quite so young, like you were saying, for it's like a wisdom, they're older, right? Um, Frank Shindale, I mean, um, Frank the Tank, he's doing well. We got some good pieces like that. And I think from that standpoint, he keeping things still going to flow. And they've been winning some games, not quite a lot. Been going on some losing streaks, but overall, he's been keeping the team in. Yeah, that, he was he was in, an, and I've already used this word uh, once on this episode. I'm going to make sure I use it next time I play Scrabble. But unenviable position uh, is my man David Ross. Because after, to your point, Prez, after they shipped everybody out, um, there was no hope in sight for making the playoffs uh, for much of anything. But down the stretch, he has made sure that, that they've remained competitive and have done the best with what they have left. So um, I would say overall, he's done a, a fairly decent job. And let's not forget that, you know, the Cubs were in the mix, you know, hovering around hovering around 500 for, for uh, earlier in the season. So, you know, let's let's see what, what next year has in store. But he did he did an OK job. Yeah, and I will say this. He'll end up being back, and he has the respect of his team. They asked a lot of the players on the team. They're like, look, we still stand with this guy, and we all talked about it. He's had a challenging first two years here. There's nothing else to do, uh, for us to discuss there, but I will say this. Losing does take a toll on people because if you look at him when he was hired, when and I talk about this, I talked about this on the show before. <laughs> When this man was doing Dancing with the Stars, man, I'm like, boy, he had a pep in his step. He looked good. He was kicking it. <laughs> you look at him in that dugout now, I'm like, man, what the hell happened to David Ross? <laughs> hey, man, the, the um, big old losing uh, streaks really did hurt him, man. So that took a toll on him, brother. It did. And we've seen how these Cubs managers are coming here and what this job do to him. You remember Lou Pinella? That man came in here as a big-time hire and by the time he left, boy, Lou Pinella couldn't get out of town quick enough. So <laughs> I, I, leave I my man Lou out of it. Listen, <laughs> y'all, y'all, listen, listeners, y'all know Lou Pinella came in here. Everybody was tooting his horn. By the end of that, <laughs> by the end of that era, I was sitting up here like Lou Pinella, what happened to you? The hell going on? He used to stay out of Wrigleyville bars. I'm like, you coaching like shit. Hey, tough team, man. Tough team to coach at the time frame. So you know, it is what it is, though, Prince. Um, I can't hate on Ross, man. I mean, Ross done a decent job with this team he's been dealt with, the hand he's been dealt with. And I look at that part of it. I don't really look at him from wins and losses because I think for the D.C. point, the team did do well. They overcheesed early and then came back down to reality. I get it. It's cute. For right now, he gets a pass. But it's going to come a point that, hey, you're going to have to start winning. But it's, you guys are right. He was put in a no-win situation this season. So that part there, totally fair. And... The one thing that when you think about Ross, and I I respect this about him, is anytime they put that camera in front of him and they interview him, 
That guy is honest and direct. And that's something that players, they respect that with their managers. And so for me, that shit bodes well for me when I look at that because that's what you want your manager to be able to do because if they're doing it in front of the cameras, just imagine what they're doing behind the scenes with their team. Absolutely. Exactly. And for a guy like, like David Ross, I will say this. Yes, they did overachieve. However, his managerial skills and his managerial ability, like we wouldn't be having this conversation about a fire sale had the Cubs been what the White Sox currently are. I'm just talk saying. that talk, talk that talk, DC. Because let's, you know what? Let's just get into it. Because I know listeners, what y'all thinking about? Y'all like, man, why are y'all talking about the Cubs so much? You right? We turn it the page. The Chicago White <laughs> Sox, magic number down to two. So my boy DC, before we got on, he was like, Prez, the game got rained out today." I said, "Damn!" I said, "I did forget about that." I was on a flight earlier, y'all. Y'all gotta forgive me, but I will say this: I was expecting we was gonna be celebrating on this podcast today that the White Sox is going to clinch that division. Looks like that's going to have to wait till tomorrow. But that magic number is down to two. D.C., talk to him, man. How you feeling right now? Last week, I said siete, siete, siete. So if you know what's about to come out of my mouth, dos, dos, dos. Even though right now we've got some issues, clearly, um, you know, haven't finished out the, the regular season, like many of us thought we, we would have. You know, obviously there's been some ups and downs recently, uh, especially with uh, Tony La Russa getting suspended. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, like I said with the Chicago Sky, money time is not the regular season. It's the playoffs. So as long as we can screw this, 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 this thing back on straight like it should be uh, and get ready for when the postseason does arrive, uh, and just close out business, you know, close out strong, finish strong. I don't see any reason why uh, we don't uh, go into it on, on a brighter note, you know, than, than it has been. Now, fair point there, man. And, and now one thing, too, because you, you brought up about our boy Tony LaRusso. So not only is he suspended, but the pitcher Wright was suspended as well for throwing at Shohei Otani. And Tony LaRusso was adamant about the fact that, hey, I didn't throw at him on purpose. And we know from earlier in the season, A-Dub, when there was that whole conspiracy thing where Tony Russa gave an opposing team uh, permission to throw at his boy Yerman Mercedes in the ball game, right. right? Right. So when I looked at that situation with Tony Russa, I'm like, Tony, what are you talking about? You knew you threw at Shohei because they threw at <laughs> two of our guys. Stop it, exactly. bro. Exactly, man. Like you can't hide from that. It looked intentional. I mean, I mean. Right through a couple of pitches, press looked like he was aiming for the guy. So you really can't duck that. You can't duck that, man. Hey, I'm gonna tell you something. Ray Charles would have saw that, man. Come on, man. It's obvious, man. It's very obvious. <laughs> but to that point, you know what? You're gonna have to do that. You know, show hey, you're the big time player on that Angels team. You're a big time player in the MLB. You just gotta take that hit, man. You gotta suck it up and just, you know, <laughs> it just comes with the territory. But that's all. That's it. But a point that D.C. made about some of the struggles that we've seen with the Sox, because they have lost some games down the stretch that I've kind of been like, eh, all right, guys, well, what are we doing here? Let's go ahead and get this division clinched. But then also, we're seeing that Carlos Rodon is starting to have some of those issues with his arm. And these are some of the struggles that plagued him over the course of his career. So right now, we're kind of worried because we're looking like, hey, is he going to be ready for the postseason? 
because he keeps experiencing soreness in his pitching arm. Never a good sign with a pitcher. And, Perez, is this contract year coming up for him as well? I mean, that this, makes sense. This play is a contract, contract year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you can't get healthy and get right. That's going to be, man, that's going to be detrimental to him. So I am hoping that he comes back, he can be healthy, Perez, and he can show you guys some stuff in the playoffs because you all, first of all, going to need him. And then, two, he wants to secure some bag, too, um, after that. Yeah, the one thing he's probably looking at more than uh, a physical baseball is, is, is his bank account. So he's probably checking that thing, make sure it's still looking good, or at least his accountant is, and then <laughs> not want to mess that up in any way. So I feel like he's going to be smart about it. But um, but he knows, like I said, money time is in the is in the re- is in the postseason. So get right, Carlos, and uh, and go ahead and secure another one of those bags, man. I I really uh, agree with that point because listen, the guy's twenty eight. Entering the prime of his career and the playoffs of money time. If he can recover and get back there playoff time and pitch like he did earlier in the season, he's gonna be on his 21 Savage flow. And the listeners, I ain't even gonna have to explain that to you. If you don't get it, just Google it. But <laughs> he he gonna get that money. But it just concerns me when Tony LaRusa comes out and says he's concerned because they've been giving Rodon extra days in between starts, right? And he was like, with the amount of rest that we've been giving him between starts, he shouldn't experience any of the soreness that he had because he had to leave the game the other night. I think it was like after three innings. And he only threw like 68 pitches or 69 pitches, something like that. So this is something to monitor for us because as A-Dub mentioned, we need him in that rotation. We got a pretty solid rotation, but I need Carlos Rodon in there because you can't trust Dallas Keuchel's ass. You cannot trust that motherfucker. <laughs> Not at all. But you know what? We all are pulling for Rodon. I'm hoping, Perez, that he does come back and can play in the playoffs because, man, this is going to be big for him. And, you know, you just hate to see guys like this who have been pitching well, Perez, who got off to a great start to, to end like this. So I will hope for this kid. I'm really hoping for this guy. I'm pulling for him, Perez. And I would love to see him out there, man. Playoff time come. And he's had an unbelievable season already What with uh, yep. uh, the number earlier in the year, man. And you just you just feel good for guys like that. You know, so let's uh, cross the fingers, put our hands together, you know, say a couple good words for this man and, and hope he stays healthy through the playoffs. Yes, sir. And let's, as I mentioned, he struggled with arm troubles over his career. The fact that he was able to come back this season, to your point, DC, throw that no-hitter. I had never been so happy for a guy in my life seeing him throw a no-hitter because I remembered how fans counted him out, how White Sox fans, and I'm talking to y'all, Y'all was on Twitter making comments to this man's wife. And this man had to deal with all that bullshit when he was down. And he came back up from that. And everybody was cheering for him. It's kind of funny how that shit happened, right? They turn on you real quick. And so when guys like that, when they go through that type of adversity, you have to cheer for that person, not just from a, a sports standpoint, but from just a human being standpoint, the fact of what he dealt with mentally. You know that can't be easy. You're a professional athlete. You're used to being able to perform at the top of the top levels. And when you can't perform because of physical reasons, that's just not easy to come back from. So I've been really happy to the beginning part of the season to see how he performed. And it's been kind of tough watching him struggle again because I hope this is not just something where they have to shut him down because he's just not right. So it's just tough to see. I just hope that we have enough time to get him right. 
Yeah, that's a very good point there, Perez. And I'm hoping he, he's right. I, I would love to see him in his next start to see what he looks like. Hopefully he's shown that, hey, the soreness is gone and he's good to go. One thing that would be the saving grace in all of this, let's just say on the you know not so bright side, this soreness isn't just nothing and it actually is something. Uh, the one thing that could help him secure a bag next year uh, or could be the saving grace, like I said, is of course, if the Sox win the World Series, you know, you always want that championship experience on your team. So even if it's not him re-signing with Chicago next year, at least he will still be a valuable commodity to uh, to a team. Hope he comes back here, but that's a fair point, uh, DC. Now, they did do multiple MRIs on him. They all came back clean, but it just still concerns me that these issues still persist. So obviously it's nothing structural, but they just can't figure out what the problems are. So... We'll definitely see, to the point that you made, we're going to definitely be watching that next start. And if he makes that next start, and if he has more issues, then I think we might be in a little bit of a problem there. And Dallas Keuchel, please, for the love of God, please, can you just go back to being the pitcher you were before you came here? Because this version of you now, I hate it, bro. Every time you're on the mound, I'm just like, man, please stop breaking my heart, bro. Stop it. Just saying. I hear you there, brother. I'm just smiling over here to see you talk about him. <laughs> yeah, and I'm smiling listening to you talking about some fucking small wins. Get your ass out of here, boy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, you got the playoffs, man. Hey, look, I'm just sitting back. Hey, and look, good luck rest of the way. That's all I can tell you, brother. I was going to say this before we get to our final segment. You see how me and DC, we took a critical lens to our team. We didn't just sit over here and talk about the fact that we're first place. We're, we're obviously going to the postseason. No, we're giving the audience like a little glimpse into things about the team that we're a little worried about, right? If we wanted to talk about career achievements, man, we would be talking, man, this podcast would be three hours talking about all the White Sox players that are doing stuff. This man have been talking to us about Patrick Wisdom and Nico Horner and this guy and that guy and Frank the Tank. I'm like, man, get out of here. What is this? What are we talking about? Nobody cares anymore. It ain't 2018. Take a seat. Y'all will be done in a couple weeks. Everybody's going to be over here on the south side on the train over here because that's the real train. That's the real tank. So. Just hope you guys ain't done a week out the bus. Because that's so true, man. It's going to hurt if we... If we <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I ain't co-signing that. I ain't co-signing that hate. <laughs> That's all I'm saying, fellas. Listen, you know that, listen, hey, no, that ain't nothing but hurt coming out. Them just words is coming out and hurt. <laughs> you know what? Y'all got a good team. I'm not arguing against that. Just don't disappoint. Because you know me, I got some shit to say. That's all yeah. I'm saying. And listen, and that's fine. You might have a couple little things to say, but just realize, I got a lot to say over these next these last couple weeks of the season that I've been holding back. So just know. I, I got something for you. I got something for you. I'm looking forward to that because you're not telling us anything we already know already, my brother. We already know we're not going anywhere. You all have the high hopes. Listen, I always have high hopes. Everything I do, brother. <laughs> Everything I do. Your team got the high hopes, not mine. We 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 done. We're cooked. Yeah, y'all are. For the next three to four years, y'all definitely cooked. Something like how you all were, right, for the, like 10 years or something like that? I don't think we're going to last that long. 10 years? Relax, bro. It wasn't that long. A decade since 05. What, 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 what y'all done since 05, brother? Hey, we won the dependent in 2008, brother. 2008? That's it? What you mean? That's <laughs> it. Listen, 
This man, he, listen, listen. This man over here, he's struggling to realize that with that top-level talent team that y'all had, y'all only won one World Series. Y'all was set up. Y'all was set up to be like the baby Yankees. Says who? Yeah. Says anybody that knows baseball. What do you mean? Says who? Look, that, that lineup that y'all had. Y'all right. had a murder's row. Pitching rotation, hitters. Y'all won. won one title. Want y'all win another one? Y'all got y'all okay. 05. Win another one. Show me you can win another one. Otherwise, we're gonna be saying the same thing about your White Sox. We'll exactly. see. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the Chicago State of Mind, not all the smoke. I know you would think <laughs> there's plenty of smoke between the Cubs and Sox, but we're in a Chicago State of Mind. We are in the Chicago State of Mind, and audience, after this episode, our Cubs segment will be going down to 30 seconds. You guys are welcome in advance. Final <laughs> segment time. If this city could talk. I'm going to keep mine short and to the point. If this city could talk. It would say, get out to Win Trust Arena tomorrow and go support our Chicago Sky. And for some reason, you guys are not able to make it out to Win Trust Arena. You better make sure you tune into that game on ESPN2 tomorrow because they need that support. This is a big opportunity for our ladies to go out there and represent for Chi-Town. We need to stand behind them, and they're going to go out there and get that W. So if this city could talk, support our Chicago Sky. Speaking of the Chicago Sky, which – they could unofficially sponsor what I'm about to say. But as I mentioned earlier in this episode, I'm in these streets like traffic lights. Shout out to Garrett A. Morgan Elementary School, Southside Chicago. I witness a lot of traffic, not just when I'm doing lift, you know, taking the kids to school, all, all sorts of things. And as much as I love this city, Chicago, I have to wonder, and I'm sure Chicago wonders this too, is as it relates to, I-290, when you're making that split-second decision to either go to Wisconsin or Indiana, go north or south, why, oh, why is there so much traffic? Why have we not figured out that the solution is to go up towards the sky? We, we can't stretch out these lanes much wider. We have to go up at some point. So in order to alleviate this problem from this, uh, it's a beautiful problem to have so many new people coming into our beautiful city so many new transplants. Um, we, we've got to do a better job of, of planning this out because uh, construction workers, I'm sure y'all feel the pain. We can't be tearing one thing down just to build up the exact same thing again. And that's a metaphor for life. If this city can talk, it will say salute to um, the Hispanic, Hispanic Heritage, Heritage Month. Um, all my Hispanic friends, family, extended family, Salute to you guys. I know you all done a great job here in the USA, putting out phenomenal work out there with actually spreading the word and about your culture. I will say salute to that. I've seen a lot of things happening in Aurora uh, with the Mexican-Hispanic um, Independence Day being celebrated out there. So salute to you guys. Salute to everyone. Hey, that's a good one right there, Adele, because they was out there deep, man, for about a month straight. Every I couldn't leave my house without seeing their flags driving by the crib and seeing them having their events together. But one thing that I will say about that is I've always had such respect for their culture and how they build together, how they work together. So that was a huge, if this city could talk, great job with that one. Audience, as always, this podcast is brought to you by Crave It. You can find Crave It on either Apple or Android applications. Follow us there on our exclusive community using Chicago Versus as our code. Lastly, we kicked off a Justin Fields autograph mini helmet contest on our Twitter account. 
Be sure to tune into that at Chicago versus V-E-R-Z-U-Z. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our podcast on your platform of choice. We're closing off the contest at 100 entrants. So definitely make sure that you get in for that one. That is going to be a very, very popular contest. So get in early. Fellas, this has been a great episode and we are out. Michael Jordan was, he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.